And welcome to the Nerdy Boxing Podcast with me, Andy White, and with me today for an action-packed pod, we have... Oh, this is take two, by the way, because Andy uh, wants to make himself look better this time around, <laughs> rather than sympathising with Savile, which no. was <laughs> the, <laughs> the one that's landed on the cutting room floor, <laughs> was Andy White. Yeah. Anyway, that, that's the Christmas outtakes, isn't it? <laughs> uh, and now he's dying in the corner. <laughs> Wow, they've got him. That's He's been n- none of that is true. Uh, and also, with uh, me and Theo the Grass. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute, I've still got three months, and I can lose that title entirely. Grass in Kent. <laughs> three months time, you can't call me that. So, in your face. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Terry. <laughs> Chap and Dharma. <laughs> that will never die. That, that will never die. Oh, shit. If anyone saw Aiden yesterday, did you ask him about my money? For fuck's sake. I'm actually going to have to just start showing up at fucking wherever those monkeys work and just get my money. <laughs> Where's my money? Uh, so we had... Um, I'm going to cut to the chase because I know we don't have any of us any exciting stories from the weekend. So... The, the most logical place to start is... Triple G Canella, who's crack on with it. Yeah, let's go for it. Adelaide Bird demonstrating that even just watching two men bash each other until climax can still make you go blind. No. <laughs> You've written no, this down. No, no, not only that, but I disagree with all of this. Right? <laughs> I've kept quiet about this fight, so no one's heard anything I've had to say about this, but there are a lot of fucking idiots with access to Twitter facebook and all kinds of shit these fucking retards pardon my language but that's what they are social retards not to do it not to do with learning difficulties just social retards people who probably still live with their mum and you know porn hub is a nightly routine these same sort of losers you know, get, well. get out the fucking basement <laughs> now listen what's wrong with porn hub it's the closest bo- thing i've got bo- to a relationship at the bo- moment bo- boxing's great right because boxing is about opinions and that's what makes the conversation fucking absolutely entertaining but there are facts and when people give Adelaide Bird a hard time, there's no real facts. It's just people lashing out because these morons don't really understand the sport of boxing or don't, don't pay attention to, to what's happened in the past. So, okay, so why? Okay, facts. All three judges agreed on six rounds. Round number one, round number two, round number four, round number 10, 11, and 12. All agreed. And if you look at those rounds, no, if you look at those rounds, it's 5-1-2 Canelo. So the judges all agreed on that. So... To say one judge is better or worse than the other, in those six rounds, there's no argument. Right. So, of the other six rounds, and bear in mind at this point, because they've all agreed, the highest mark Golovkin can score at this point is 115. That's the highest mark he can score. And that's if one judge gives him all the six disputed rounds. So, one judge gave all six disputed rounds to Golovkin, which... 
I think if you watch the fight, you go, I can't believe it's all six. One gave five to Golovkin, one to Canelo, which is how you end up with the draw. And Adelaide gave five to Canelo, one to Golovkin of the disputed rounds. So what you've got is you've essentially got three judges seeing the fight differently because they value different things. But to say that Bird is a shit judge is unfair because you had Dave Moretti as the other judge who was... Didn't he score Cotto Canelo 119-109 to Canelo? And if you've seen that fight, there's no way there was 10 points between the two. So every judge has that point where they go, this fight is giving me what I want. I'm going to reward that, even if I'm out of step with everyone else. I think it's Don Trello or Don Trello, the other judge. Um, there was a fight a few years ago, Vasquez versus Quintero, where he got it so far off as well. But he's also the same guy who had AJ three rounds up at the end of the fight with Klitschko, which most people listening would disagree with. So there are two things here. Number one, judges will always disagree. Number two, every judge will produce a 118-110 at some point in their career because that's just how it goes. So to say that she's a shit judge is wrong. She's done over 400 fights. So have some respect for her. And number two, if judges agree on half of the rounds in a fight, I'm quite happy to accept there's a bit of flex between what all three of them see in the other half. So I look at it and I say, I would have given it to Canelo by two. Based on what I saw, I wanted Golovkin to win. Giving it to Canelo by two is probably how I saw it. If you called it the other way, I'm not mad at you either. Thank you. Yeah. Don't be mad at me. <laughs> so love. So, Martin. So, to end up at a draw, <clears throat> I think reflects probably the complexity in scoring a match, which essentially had two people trying to, trying to reach the same goal via very different means. And it's just about whether you reward their approach or you don't reward their approach. That's all it was. Mine. <laughs> I mean, I, I genuinely like not for the life of me could I've found a one one eight one ten like irrespective of the five rounds that they've shared those judges and that's fine they're judges they know better than I do I you know take that on the chin like Khan on Skype but um, <laughs> um, but yeah like I, I cannot for the life of me see it as a one one eight one ten fight to Canelo I personally had Golovkin up by a round. I could see it the other way. I could see it a draw. I think a draw is a perfectly fine outcome. Don't have an issue with that. It's how you get there that is, you know, that's what leaves a bit of a sour taste in the mouth out of it. Um, I, I say, if one's got it for Canelo, one for Golovkin, one's got it as a draw, we're all okay with that. It's I can't get my head around the one one eight one ten. I get it. You can say all these rounds are shared. Each of the judges sees it the same. That's fine. I know... You know, we've spoken about it before. When you sit and score a fight, you might well sit and score those rounds in isolation. And then at the end of the fight, sit there and go, well, actually, that's not how I felt the fight was, but that's what I've written down on paper. And so you might see the fight very differently to what your score says. And maybe that's what she got at the end of the fight. Because I don't I remember if it was you or Andy that sent me the, the video where she explains how she I sent it to you earlier, yeah. And if you listen to what she says and you go... These are all the things Canelo did. The cleaner work, the defense, the movement. They're all things Canelo did. And I'm like, I can see why she rewarded them. 
Now, you can say, I don't value those in a fight, and I can respect that because that's an opinion. But if she says, this is what I value, and you know she's judging a fight, do you need to give her that? And let's be brutally honest. <clears throat> when we talk about this fight a year from now, we will remember it in terms of the highlights that Canelo gave us. I can't think of one Golovkin highlight in that fight. So judges do judge based on attributes of a fighter that they deem Did you watch valuable. that video I sent you earlier? No, I'm, I'm just trying to get... Because given what our last conversation about five pods ago, when we had the judge debate, and I was saying to you that um, depending on what... Depending on what you value as a judge will depend on what score come out. That See, you, I think at this point, it would be very wise to cut to the the commentary from Adelaide Bird around what it is that she was scoring the fight on. But um, it has to be the fighter who um, is throwing and landing the cleaner punches, um, who sometimes is dictating the pace in the fight, uh, who has a good defense. He's uh, making his opponent miss punches, um, just clean, effective punches. That, that's how I determine who's winning the fight. Do you go for quantity or quality punches? Well, now that depends also. Because you can have a boxer and you can have a puncher. Now, usually the boxer, is going to throw more punches and land more punches. And the boxer may, um, he may only land two solid punches, for example, in a round. But then you have to determine, did those two solid punches outweigh many effective punches that the boxer landed? And usually the boxer is going to win that round unless the puncher, those two punches that landed, unless they staggered or buckled the fighter. Other than that, um, in my opinion, quantity usually outweighs quality. So maybe you just heard it. I'm not sure. It depends whether we've got the ability <laughs> to take the audio out of a video. <laughs> so you were saying, if we remember, like, judges... It was the Ward fight, wasn't it? It was, it was in... Ward Kovalev. Yeah. And, and you were saying, so judges just score based on what they feel. And yeah. it's, it's more subjective than it is objective. Yeah. And that's probably true. But what, what happens is, and for any academics out there who listen to the show, you'll understand this. There's a process of moderation. So all these judges will go to a se seminar, maybe in Vienna or somewhere, and they'll watch what are considered to be controversial rounds. So maybe judges saw the rounds completely differently. The fans saw the rounds completely differently. And they'll all sit there and they'll all discuss it. And they'll have like an assessor there. And what they try and do is moderate and go, well, actually, you guys are missing certain points and these are the things you need to focus on. So there's a process of continuous harmonization of what people see. But ultimately, when you're given guidelines, there's always a degree of flex. And the, the problem with that is it's like anything. It can completely diverge, leaving two judges at opposite ends of the spectrum, which doesn't mean that they're wrong. Well, if you keep getting selected, then presumably you're... you're 442 you're at... fights later, this lady is still being selected. And we should be applauding another woman in boxing who's had longevity in the sport. And I, you know, I've seen a lot of negativity on Twitter towards her, which I think is somewhat excessive. But let's go back to last week. And Martin was talking about the McKenzie fight. And if you remember, his exact words were, Leon had his back to me, so I couldn't see how it ended. So imagine you're a judge, yeah? You've got five seconds of action where you can only really see one limited perspective. So you can't reward that the same way the guy at the other end of the it room It happens can. all the time. Right? Yeah. When I'm down at <clears throat> York Hall, 
Um, I sit in one corner, typically the away corner is where I'm sat. And partway through a fight, like if it's a particularly close fight, like Steve or Josh Goodwin, they will walk around and ask us at the press table, how are you scoring this fight? And I would say over 50% of the time, our views differ. And we're watching that fight from op- literally opposite each other. Like I'm looking at them, they're looking at me and the ring's in the middle. Probably 50% of the time, our views differ. So I may well say like fighter A, I would say, is up by two rounds. And they'll say they've literally got it the other way. Like fighter B is up by two rounds. So there's four rounds somewhere in a fight when you're approaching the end that you've disagreed on, depending on your perspective of what you've seen. <clears throat> so we, which which we have here, because if you look at it, if 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 if, if we accept six rounds were shared, then the maximum Golovkin could have got 115. One judge gave him 115. The maximum Canelo could have got is 119. No judge gave him 119. So everyone sits somewhere in that middle ground. And it just depends on what you saw and what you liked. And that's what makes judging hard. So before you criticize, you know, any judges, just understand that if you look at most fights, the scorecards are lined around between six and se- five and seven rounds, actually. The scorecards will generally line up quite nicely. And then you get that bit of what do you think is important. So if all three of us scored a fight, we'd come up with three different scorecards. You know, that's just how we see different things. And there's no, there's no issue with that. I think that diversity is good for boxing because it balances it all out. Because as, as I've yeah. highlighted earlier, yeah, yeah. Moretti's had shockers. I agree. Trello's had shockers. Burns had shockers. Remember CJ, whatever, CJ Ross, who scored Mayweather Canelo a draw. All judges have shockers just because of the way the system works. Right, but it also is definitely good for boxing just because if, if you had judges always uh, idolizing one type of, you'd only get one type of fighter, wouldn't you? Yeah. Whereas this way, it gives it a range of styles and it rewards those range of styles. But Yeah, I th- you know, it's, it's a slightly bitter taste to see it as 118, 110. Um, to me, it's, just, it's too wide. You know, if she'd have scored it 115, 113, then nobody would be having this conversation today. We wouldn't need to. We would just be talking about what a good fight it was. Um, but, you know, that's her perspective. That's how she's seen it. 10 rounds to two, you know... I think most people struggle to see it in that way, but she was sat ringside. She saw it from whatever angle. She said in her video that she was scoring or her preference is to score movement, score defense. And let's focus on the fight now. Canelo did those things in abundance. Like phenomenal movement, phenomenal defense. And the times that he would just roll a shot and then just skip out of range, drop his hands. The moment that lives with me for that fight is round five when he dropped his hands and just looked at Golovkin and went, no, Golovkin. <laughs> you not stop me, Golovkin. No. And if was I the only one who was just banging the table when he did that? Because I thought, <laughs> you're not knocking this guy out. Oh, shit. What's going to happen now? They could stand punching each other all day and they wouldn't knock yeah, each other Yeah, I agree. Out. It just made me, it made me wish that Carl Froch had fought Golovkin because I think like Canelo was so slippery at times, and Golovkin oh, was right. slightly like Stone Age-ish in his approach. There wasn't any variation; it was <laughs> always looking for the same shot. And Canelo had worked that out. He very rarely threw an uppercut. You know, it was 
that overhand left to chop him on the overhand right, but about the biggest variance that he was throwing outside of his kind of one-two and the, the hooks. But I, how much would you have loved to have seen Cole Frotch in that other corner? And instead of slipping and rolling on the end of shots, just standing there in the same way the Golovkin... <laughs> in the centre of the ring exchanging shots. You know when shots. you see monster trucks that would like just meet head on <laughs> and then just push and the wheels would spin until one of them fell back? But here's the weird thing. I, don't, I think we always forget that when Frotch is up against it, he rarely engages, actually. What he ends up doing is just living behind his jab until he's got you weak or until you start to tire. Then you see the, the classic Cobra Froch. But normally, he's very, he's very disciplined. Unless he doesn't respect you, then he'll just steamroll you. I think you'd like to have seen... Who would you like to have seen him in with? Golovkin versus Golovkin, like playing an EA no, Sports Golovkin game or something. No, Golovkin versus Eubank Jr., <laughs> that, that, that's the sense I had in that fight. I was like, can you imagine if Eubank Jr.'s chin is like Golovkin's? Can you imagine those uppercuts <laughs> of his just ripping in? Oh. But it was look, it was a good fight for, for a fight that determined almost like pound for pound or pay-per-view supremacy. That was a good fight and respect to Canelo's camp because number one, they clearly knew he had a chin and they planned for it. So you can see what they tried to do. Get 40 points up from rounds one to four, except that Golovkin's going to come on strong after that once he's figured you out. And then from rounds nine through to 12, just start to go back to your boxing and try and box it through and win it. You can see that was the plan. I don't necessarily think they executed it perfectly. Whereas, whereas you saw with Golovkin, he said, second half of the fight, I'm just going to stick it on this guy and hopefully he'll break. And both men realized actually they're tougher than they, they I mean each man was tougher than they had factored in and I think that was that was fantastic um you know some of the just the speed of Canelo's jab even at that even moving up in weight the speed of that jab you know and how he got away with that pivot to the left with his hands down every time every time and Golovkin yeah. needs to look at himself and go yeah. how the hell did I not deal with that yeah but yeah it was like by the end of the fight, Canelo had almost turned into like an inverted Arthur Abraham. So like Arthur Abraham will fight for the last minute of a round. Like he knows almost by his body clock. Whereas Canelo was doing it for the first minute and then just getting on his bike and and running. Um, but Golovkin just as much as Golovkin is brilliant at cutting the ring off, he isn't brilliant at then capitalising and stopping Canelo from moving out of the way, which but, is all that he was doing. But was, if you notice, he followed because. And and it's almost boxing 101. If if I'm going to close you down and I know you're always going to drift to your left, I'm going to go with a left and a right, short step to the right yep. through another right hand. Why? Even if it misses, it says, mate, you're not going to get this way out all the time. Especially with that chopping right hand that he's got, yeah. the, the one that kind of comes down over his ear. I'm amazed that wasn't used more often. And, and so my question is, what's happened to this Golovkin power? Because as he's moved on to bigger and bigger platforms and as people have actively called for VADA testing, we've seen the destruction seemingly dissipate. That's putting it out there. <laughs> um, <clears throat> whilst this conversation has moved on. To be fair, his opponents have got better as well. Like Jacobs, Canelo. But, but he's fought guys with solid chins. Like that, 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 that guy he hit on the top of the head, what was his name? Uh, uh, Rubio. Yeah, Rubio's no mug. You know, so where's that destructive, you know, smashing Kell Brook's eye socket guy gone? Where's he gone? Vada. That did occur to me, actually. When I saw Canelo right at the end of the fight, I thought, 
You don't look as bad as I kind of expected you to. He didn't have a mark on his face. No, he, looked, he put his hat on and I thought, if you take literally a screenshot of that, you could argue that he, that's before the fight. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and if you saw Golovkin, you, you could see his face was touched up because he was getting touched up badly. Like everything, Canelo seemed to have the speed and the power because Golovkin would back up because you've seen Golovkin take right hands shake his head and just steam straight forward. Against Canelo, he's just, he was like, oh, this is this is harder than I thought it would be. Let me not rush in because I'm not seeing these shots. I think that's what he, he seemed to feel. And there's like, it was definitely a lot quicker, Canelo. Yeah. So much quicker, wasn't he? Yeah, it was, it was, it was an impressive choice. It was an impressive, impressive performance by both men. Um, that's the kind of fight you want to see at the top of the tree. And December 9th, we get to feel this way all over yeah, again. Yeah, so. I mean, if anything, uh, you know, you, you sort of look at the media online, it's outrage from fans as a draw is decaying. You think, well, actually, that's probably the best scenario because then we get to do it all over again. <laughs> Which, in <laughs> light of what happened to the copper box, puts a spanner in that wound. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Right, so... <laughs> Sorry. Which brings us on nicely to Boxing Fan at UK Boxing Fan number six with the Golovkin, uh, with Golovkin and Canelo tied up with a rematch. Who should Billy Joe Saunders fight in the meantime? Can I'd I make like a bold prediction? Jacobs and Charlo before unification. Nope. Miguel Cotto. Frank wants to get Billy Joe out in December. Miguel Cotto wants one last fight in December. Wherever they have that, if it's for the WBO belt, both men will make money. I think that's where they'll head with that one. How are they going to make money based on last night? <laughs> a half-empty arena. The part that was full seemed to have been those uh, magical competition winners that that have turned up. Um, <laughs> For a fight. And, and soldiers and school kids. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with... And anyone that bought a West Ham ticket. Whoever's a WBO number nine. I haven't even looked, but... <laughs> It's irrelevant. Like, Saunders hasn't been that active. Don't get me wrong. I doubt he's woken up on Sunday morning feeling like he's been in a fight. Because that was the biggest pile of shit <laughs> I can remember for a world title fight in a fairly reasonable period of time. Willie Monroe did all right at the end of, at the end of round 12 when he threw some punches. Oh, he suddenly remembered. <laughs> to yeah, be fair, it? he's probably fallen asleep. <laughs> 11.50 that fight started. Like... He's probably just sacked it off by that point and thought, I've had a, a, a torrential outpour of crap all week. Why am I even here? Like, let's just walk through this fight and go home. Well, so you, you, you've got something to say about the whole build-up to that, haven't you? I know you mentioned it on social media, but it's, surely it's worth repeating on this. It's a shambles. Absolute shambles. The stuff about his kid going up. Um, I mean, start off before that at the Peacock Gym. We're ready to go. We're ready to go. Billy Joe, did he take the cap off one of his team or put it down his pants? Put it down his pants. (laughs) Like, for a start, why are you at the Peacock Gym? Like, what kind of public workout is at the Peacock Gym? Like, where's your investment in your fighters that you're doing at the Peacock Gym? I don't understand that. Like the whole, it was a disgrace, the whole thing. And then Willie Monroe comes out and he makes the accusations. You don't know if it's true or not, but he says he's going to sue someone. Uh, I'm probably Who could miss- he possibly sue? 
You just, 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 just give us a list of three names you could possibly sue. I don't know. I mean, uh, no, it's beyond me. Tooth Fairy. Tooth Fairy. Easter Bunny. Drank Corrin. Christmas. Um, but you know, so, some so of the allegations Wank were Frorin. <laughs> some of the allegations were that he got called the N word by Saunders, or was it Saunders' son? I can't remember which. Oh wow! Um, yeah, I believe it from either. If there I'm was honest. Saunders telling one of his team to bring his mum next time because he wants to, to fuck, fuck her. Yeah, no, that was said. No, no, that, oh, yeah, that was on. That was on video. video. There's no doubt in that one. Um, so don't get me wrong we live in a world where this stuff goes on boxing's had it for years and years when anyone pulls me up because as soon as you criticise any of this behaviour online there's always someone that says oh yeah look back to the 50s or whatever oh, is, it one, is, is it one of the boxing historians these mythical experts with their PhDs from nowhere in the sweet science <laughs> with their 7,000 word essays about shit we don't care about <laughs> uh, just um, asking but no, you'll always get somebody go, oh, yeah, look back to the 50s and 60s. This has been going on for years. Just because it's been going on for years yeah. doesn't mean that we should accept <laughs> it as the norm. Doesn't mean... They look, were pouring napalm on people in the 50s. I mean, granted, warfare has exactly, hasn't exactly moved on to like a Candy Crush saga, but you know, you like to think that civilization moves forward. Yeah, it doesn't mean we should be doing it still. Exactly. Like, I know they're not the only ones, but the, the whole week has been horrific. And when you end up with Monroe going on Periscope and doing a 10 minute video to outline all the things that he's had wrong during the week something's gone wrong and he was saying like i've been treated like shit since i got over it and you just fell for the bloke and 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 we discuss this often and, and i know people assume we're anti eddie hearn on this podcast for the record we're not i can't imagine eddie hearn allowing any of this sort of bullshit to happen because he realizes it's about brand protection so Willie Monroe Jr. would just simply go and talk to his mates in the sport. And he's quite well connected in the sport because don't forget his dad and his granddad are boxers. He's embedded in the sport. He would just go, don't work with Frank Warren. It's not worth it. Wait for Hearn to call you. Because, and Frank does nothing to protect his own brand. He lets these idiots do it. Look, I just want to go back. Like One of the worst things I've heard about this was in reference to the kid. I heard this on Twitter. Read it on Twitter, sorry. Ah, oh, Billy Joe was just sticking up for his boy. That's what all travellers do. They teach their kids to fight. Good old travellers. Do the right thing. And I'm saying to myself, Billy Joe Saunders has revealed what an idiot he is. Forget his background for a second. As a man, he's an absolute disgrace because he's allowed his kid to be put in the public eye in, in, in a permanent form. Like his kid can never pretend this didn't happen. Can we, can we just stop a second and explain what happened? Because we just skipped across okay. it so everyone knows it yeah. happened. So at the weigh-in, they're, they're, they're all, Billy Joe's on the scales. I think Will, Willie's already done his thing. This kid walks up and Willie Monroe Jr. thinks the kids come on. Maybe it's like, a, you know, the kid's got cancer or something. Like a make-a-wish thing. Yeah, and, and, and he's quite friendly to the kid. You know, ruffles his hair a bit. How are you doing, little man? It's quite friendly. Kid pulls back, smacks him in the nuts. And he's like, what the hell are you doing? Then the kid boots him. Tries to kick him in the nuts, but clearly, you know, boxing's this thing, not martial arts. So it kicks him. So at this point, give give the security guard credit. He just flung the kid away. And then the hype man, I think I think he's Monroe's genius trainer. You know, the guy who had his hat yeah, picked yeah. off. He the angriest man in Britain right <laughs> now. He was gonna punch the kid in the head. And and you know, when people are trying to defend this kid, and I'm like, that's borderline child abuse because that kid's gonna have to live with that and know that. 
Yo, my dad's a scumbag, and now people are going to see me as a scumbag. And if you support what that kid did and what Billy Joe did, a plague upon your house, as Shakespeare would say, because you're the idiot. I can imagine that the organisers dealt with this with, like, fury. Yeah, yeah. Or, so or, the, or like fury with a few lines. <laughs> you end up with fucking Box Nation tweeting out a picture of it with laughing emojis. Oh, all oh, right. Uh, C- come on, like <laughs> you're, you're not me- even trying. <laughs> like I appreciate Billy Joe Saunders is your lad, but like you're meant to be the carriers of this sport. You're the only broadcaster, sole broadcaster of boxing on British TV, and you're encouraging this behaviour. Like this is the kind of behaviour that ought to get somebody a six-month license mm. ban from the board. But because for a start, a child under the board rules should not be up there under the weigh-in. So there are three questions about why, and you can see now why that's a rule. Because if we go back in time, there used to be a program, I think it was called Mind Your Language. And it was, it was made by London Weekend Television. And it essentially was a classroom of people learning English. And they took every cultural stereotype, Indian, Pakistani, Japanese, Italian, they took every stereotype. And it was the most regressive pathetic attempt at comedy ever and i imagine that box nation is just the living embodiment of that it's those relics of people in the 70s who who live in places like basildon and probably still eat pies and jellied eels and are surprised when they see a brown person cross the road it's this really backward camp and you you looked at it and you looked just everything steve lillis all of these guys jim rosenthal uh sir I called Vinade fagging in the back. Uh, he snitched at my friend's uncle once. Sorry. <laughs> they, they were school what? together. Jim Rosenthal was at school with my friend's uncle and he snitched on him, got him suspended. What a scumbag. But look. At school? Yeah. He's still being held up for that. <laughs> it's a bit harsh. I like that. Look, Jim like Rosenthal Rogers. looked like he'd actually been resurrected for this last night. <laughs> look, it's just an embarrassment. Box Nation's an embarrassment. Um, I think BT should look long and hard about who they're doing business with. But I imagine there's more to that relationship than just broadcasting boxing, as I've discussed around other broadcasters and other people who shall not be named. So I don't think they'll change it. But it's damaging the brand because three Warren shows and there's been bullshit around all three of them. So, yeah, I mean, that's just the Monroe element. Then look outside, like... Look at the structure of the show. You had the like the second main event, if you like, Anthony Yarde versus Nemesapi. Wow. wow. Nine o'clock. And then you've got the main event at eleven fifty. <laughs> so you've got nearly a two hour gap of which there are oh, two I wonder if it was as good as Billy Joe Saunders versus Andy Lee where we got to look at an empty ring with no music. Can I like... can I just well, can got... I say for the record, it took me two hours fifty minutes to get over the genius <sighs> that is Anthony Yard. What other man takes his pad work <laughs> and does his pad work to an opponent in the ring? Because everyone saw the pad work video, right? And then he hit him with six right hooks, just like he does in the pad work. I was like, ah! Yeah, because at least the pad man threw back. Ah, oh, that, that, that's a lot. Norbert one. didn't. Norbert, Norbert! <laughs> Fuck up, Norbert! For fuck's sake, what's a fucking Norbert doing in the ring? You fucking idiot! Fuck up, back to Hungary! You fucking cock! Like, why are you in a ring, a professional boxing ring, with somebody who's so highly touted? Like, the whole fucking show was a shamble! <laughs> Norbert can fuck off! Okay, let's hope there's no letters on Monday. <laughs> 
But let's be honest. Can't right? be bothered with this shit. Oh, God. <laughs> but but, but on, let's just take a time to reflect no, no, on the no. genius of Anthony Yard again. No, 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 no. no. But, no. But, but on the upside, <laughs> on, on the upside, I, I do want to shine some light. Congratulations to Uma. First fight, first yes. win. Boxing shorts look good. Outfit look good. You can see he's really trying to make an effort to oh, to separate himself from the crowd. His so. videos before his debut look superb as well. Something a little bit different that we haven't seen from boxers before. So yeah. all and, and, and he will be on the podcast when we can arrange a date. And look, whatever, wherever his career goes, man, just applaud this man for doing something different. You're not going to see him getting kids up on stage to punch other guys in the nuts. You know, he might give you some advice on how to, you know, sort your ices out and optimize your portfolio, <laughs> which will always be good. And can we touch on Daniel Dubois? We called it. It was. We'll, a... we'll talk longer than the fight was. <laughs> yeah. Was it the first? He was down in the first ten seconds. AJ he, the first Carter. punch. The first punch. AJ Carter fell over. So there are a few people like I can go back and search through Twitter when I can be bothered there are a few people that when this fight was made and it was publicly criticised there were a few people that said oh actually it's alright like who David Allen was one I'm going to call David Allen out on it I love David Allen but I'm knackered today and I'm in a bad mood so whatever like let's just name names I'll go back Damn and find you know, but- who he claimed at the time like this isn't so bad AJ Carter's like he can punch no, it doesn't on, matter. Wait, 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 wait. On, on what basis can he punch? He knocked out six from eight, I think it was. But the fact is, this fight <laughs> was always, perplexed. always a terrible fight, a terrible mismatch. It should never have been sanctioned by the board. It is a shambles. It got sanctioned by the board. They need to take a long, hard look at it. So they allow AJ Carter to get back to his feet after the first knockdown. I said the first knockdown, the first punch. They allow him to get back up after the second. When he's looking up at Lee Cook, the ref, and he's clearly got this look of like, I don't want this to go on, but I'm a boxer, so I'm obliged to get up. At that point, Lee Cook should have just said, nah, nah. But he allows him to get up and he walks on to one of those right hands off Dubois that I'd imagine if he's in the Box Nation studio hitting that punch bag thing, he'd have probably have broken every record. that they Broken shot. the machine. Yeah, like it was a hell of a punch. And so AJ Carter lands on his face and he's wiped out. So what did what did Daniel Dubois learn out of this? Now, I'm not saying that he needs to be in with... Well, do you know what? Actually, Joe Joyce is going in straight away with Ian Lewison. Is there really going to be that much difference between Joyce and Daniel Dubois? Joyce has had a longer amateur career, so yes, you can give him that. So maybe not Ian Lewison, but someone like <laughs> Kamil Sokolowski, who's a tough man, the one who knocked out AJ Carter in his I, last fight, I, would I, have been fine. So shouts out to Sam Khan. We had this conversation and I said, we're at the point where we need to start looking at AJ versus Dubois. And when people say, oh, he needs experience, he needs, I'm like, he doesn't. He just needs to hit AJ and it's over. It won't go the distance of stamina is not an issue. If if I'm team AJ, I'm nervous now because it will take one fight and I wouldn't even bother with all these small hall veterans. Like I'd bypass all of those guys and I'd just go after Dave Allen. Right now, if I was, if I was in the Dubois camp, I'd say to Dave Allen, let's do this. Wouldn't bother with anyone else, Dave Allen. Because Dave's got a chin. And if if he gets put over yep. by Dubois, then we're looking at Dubois going, you put this guy over, AJ couldn't put him over. 
And that builds that story for is AJ ducking Daniel Dubois. And all of a sudden, instead of AJ chasing everyone, he's now got someone chasing him. But welcome to the podcast that first shone light on Daniel Dubois. Be absolutely clear about this. <laughs> you, you did. The you first podcast, not a team effort. The first podcast to shine light on Daniel Dubois. And what did we say? This kid will beat AJ. It's not a question of if, it's a question of when. Now, let's be clear though. We're not, we're not saying because he did that to AJ Carter, he does that to AJ. Like, just because they share the same first two initials <laughs> in terms of how we refer to them, <laughs> it is not, you know, done and dusted that he does that to Joshua in a ring. The fact is, though, in 12 months' time, providing they start to take slightly larger strides in terms of his opponent and who he's fighting, he's a frightening prospect, just purely based on power, because there aren't that many people... Look, Joshua, when he was fighting the likes of... Um, Skelton, whoever it was that he was fighting early doors in his career, he mm. wasn't leaving people face down on the canvas. He was hurting them and they'd get back up, and he was hurting them and they'd get back up. You go and find clips of Anthony Joshua leaving people face down on the canvas. There aren't many. Dillian White's about the only one that he's ever left laid out. And that took eight rounds. And that was probably tired us more than anything else. Yeah. But, you know, he hurts people. I'm not saying he doesn't hurt people, Joshua, mm. but he doesn't. Hurt them like Dubois hurts. No, because, because look, and, and this is what always impresses me about Daniel Dubois. He doesn't throw punches. He's thinking about placement. So he's not messing around trying to get a fist on your face. He's trying to get one knuckle on you. One knuckle. Because... Well, those punches that he landed on Asia Car looked really spiteful and horrible. He, so, so one thing I do like about him is because he's been sparring grown men from a young age, and they've all kind of tried to take the piss with him. He's developed this mindset of, I'm taking you out. Like, even in sparring, he's aiming to take you out. And so he's just translated that into the professional ranks. And I'm excited by what he could achieve. Because not only is he a punching machine, but the kid's got a boxing brain too. He hasn't had to use it yet. But if he needs to, he can definitely box. Liverpool Jay asks, how long will BT put up with the Box Nation Copper Box crowds? Well, this is what Frank Warren wants. Like, Frank Warren wants that kind of Labour voting, but slightly ignorant and parochial Little Englander crowd. You know, bring your birds along. Bring your birds out of Essex, out of whatever Wanstead. I don't think that's, a, that's more like a UKIP sort of vote, is it not? Well... Same thing to me. Do you so, know what? There's a, there's a clear thing here, right? A, security. So, Matrium, we've mentioned it before, use SAUK security, as do a few other promoters, and you never, ever see consistently that level. And when things kick off, those security, the likes of Andy Brown, just steam in, you know, everything goes away. I don't know who it is. I know it's not SAUK, because I know they don't work it's with MAN, one. isn't it? Man. I don't know. But they don't do a good enough job. Like, we're seeing all these clips surface online. The Daily Mirror have got clips up online of a man hitting a woman, a big fight kicking off. It's not good enough. But let's also touch on here. We mentioned it earlier. Now, this might seem like a, a rather broad and sweeping statement, whatever. Like, it is, and I don't give a shit. <laughs> I'm, I'm in that mood today. Right. Yeah, Who goes? Like... We're talking, say, a Joshua fight. So a Joshua fight, face value tickets go for 40 quid. The people like 
the majority of people I suspect that will turn up at the Joshua fight would have paid more than 40 quid for those tickets, those 40 quid tickets. A lot of them will be paying over the odds. They're, to that end, relatively affluent people. People that can afford that. Those people that are turning up at Warren Cards have been emailed their tickets in a competition the day before for free. How many have been won? I did a comp- I did a poll yesterday on Twitter. I'm not saying it's factual or anything like that, but 28... Like I said, if you're going to this show tonight, did you A, buy a ticket, or B, win one in a competition? I had, I think it was 98 votes, of which 26, 27% of people said they paid for it. Everybody else won one in a competition. I know there were, I think it was apparently a thousand plus tickets given out to service personnel. Like these shows don't sell. These shows have tickets given away. To that end, you're at risk of inviting in people that are going to cause more trouble than those. And again, it's a huge generalization, but I don't care. Those that are paying above and beyond what a ticket is worth are likely to have slightly better morals and go around just kicking off every five minutes within an event well, also, also also this has been this has been a running trend so it's going to attract the first show. those it's the third sort of in people a row. as well yeah it's the third in a row and he, here's my thing and and it's one of the things i give eddie hearn credit for hearn takes over matchroom probably looks around at frank warren crowds and so forth and goes there's no one here like me in the crowd what if I sold boxing to people like me? Let me sell boxing to the accountants, the doctors, the lawyers, the guys who do the keep fit stuff, but a bit nervous of going to a Frank Warren show. Let me cater to those guys. Make it an experience. Find a good venue like the O2. Uh, like basically what football did between the 80s and now. Yes. The yes. prawn sandwich. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So buy the prawn it, sandwich because guess what? It costs fucking money to buy a prawn sandwich. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so Hearn will fill his crowd with people who don't want to kick off. And what that means is there's a certain energy in a matchroom show which is different to a Frank Warren show. The same one when David Hay was at the O2 where it was catered to a different audience to the one that Frank Warren goes after. Frank Warren just goes after, you know, people who, if this was the 70s, would be in vans going packy bashing. (laughs) That's who Warren caters to. You want to sue me for that? It's an opinion, mate. It's not a fact, it's an opinion. Sue me. But that's who Frank Warren <laughs> caters to. And until Frank Warren changes that, because remember, the copper box was designed to be used by Frank Warren after the Olympics. Why you would hold your events, someone, it's essentially in the middle of fucking nowhere. I don't care what anyone says. It's not a great venue to get to. It's not accessible. It's not this. It's not that. And for me, it's, it's been abject. Like, you know, it's been abject. From start to finish, it's been abject. We could list the sins of Frank Warren on this podcast, but we'll save it for a proper podcast. It save deserves it for about three months' own. time. But it was, it's embarrassing because at the end of the day, BT Sport get tired with this because they're saying you're just in allowing this to happen on your platform. And so, again, like come back to what we said earlier before I went off on a rant, but about the, <laughs> the gap between 9 o'clock and 11.50... You've got nearly two hours where you put on two floating fights, which were like six rounders or whatever. Two hours almost to fill that space. So what do you think a load of people... Like, we've all been to boxing shows. What are most of the people... Like, how many cubicles in a boxing toilet are closed and end up being (laughs) flushed at the same time as people that walk out with colds? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Right. 
So you get all these people that are boozed up, loads of blokes, loads of geezers, the kind of person Terry was describing earlier. You give them shitloads of coke. You give them two hours of no action. You beat around the bush. (laughs) And then go, bam. But you give them two hours of no action to sit there and watch. And so they're like drifting off at this point. You've plied them with booze all the way through. I'd imagine there's a percentage of people there that have gone off and been doing coke and whatever in the toilets. It's just, honestly, if you could put a cauldron together and work out the best way to make people kick off, well done. You've done it. Well, it's just the fact that they're so poorly structured. I just, you go to a hand show, no matter what you think about a hand show, it's, 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 it's constant. One after the other. Bump, 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 bump. And it's only when you watch a wine show that you think, wow. It makes, he makes what Hearn does do, look, look difficult. Like, if, if Hearn must be the only person in the world that can do this, that's incredible because Wine's been doing it all his life and he still can't get it right. It's what Terry said earlier. We're not anti Hearn. We might give Hearn lots of stick. But what Hearn does is operates a professional, a slick, and a very, very good business model. Sweet. Frictionless. He takes he takes away all Sweet the points of friction. Caroline. And so if you're on a way boxer and you're looking at that from Saturday night, and you're looking at the way William Monroe's been treated, and you look at what that venue looked like when the main event kicked off, and you look at the headlines in the Daily Mirror about a woman getting filled in by a bloke. If you're on a way boxer and you've <laughs> you know you've got two options, one being Hearn, one being Warren, which are you more likely to go with? Hearn every time and and I'd I know what shows I'd rather go to, frankly, as well. Like, yeah, as a fan that's yeah. gonna go to a show, would you rather go to one where it's above a fifty percent chance you're gonna leave a broken nose? Or one where you've got to put up a sweet Caroline. Like, I'd rather go to one with a broken nose. Because well, like, look at the formula here. And this is the thing that that that, that really rankles with me. You park this thing in, in the east end of London. And not, not even in like the, the, the fun east end where you find a few art students and some fashion designers. In that bit where you find the people who hate the art students and the fashion designers. The real ignorant part of East London. You park up a venue there. You tell these people, mate, you can just hop on a bus and come one stop down and you can get a ticket for a tenner from a town. Those guys are going to be sat there pissed up, pissed off because they're football team shit, probably Spurs fans or West Ham fans. And they'll go, hey, fuck it, let's go watch the boxing. I'm fucking pissed off, mate. And they just show up. They don't even dress up for the event. But look at Hearn. How many times have you been to a Hearn event? And there are groups of women who have come for the boxing. And you're like, whoa, it's a night out. He is, he's, you wouldn't do that with Frank Warren because there's a chance you might get raped. Well, I know. The, I know <laughs> the, my, <laughs> yeah, I tried to gloss over that. Uh, the, uh, there's two shows that stick out in my mind. Like, Hearn's show was Wembley. And the only thing I didn't like about that was it took me so long to get served at the bar, which actually kind of serves a purpose. A purpose. <laughs> However, on the Warren show, all I was doing was breathing smoke and everyone was, <laughs> ever, they'd pissed in the stairwells and it was, it was, do you remember? Can, can you imagine Wait, when, Warren organising something you in Wembley? You tried getting out from like where we were sat and we were driving, like I was driving for the evening, so I wasn't drinking, you weren't drinking, so we were both sober and I'm trying to get out to the toilet and to get there through the XL, you had to leave like the ring bit and you had to go out into the concourse of the XL. To do that, you had to cross through the bar 
And honestly, the bar... that size of a football pitch. The bar looked like Saving Private Ryan. There were just... There were bodies strewn across the place. There was... There was actually people doing wheeze, like peeing in cups. It was like a festival. Yeah, it was. Rather than the fun of a festival, it was full of people that if you looked at for too long might kick your head in. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. The big wall of the XL, like where you walk in, and there were people just pissing against it. I'm like... I feel like I'm at London Zoo. I'm it not was, a, it a was like one of those old firms in uh, well, the the fight in like Green Street. It was like their 25th anniversary get together at the like the London XL. That's what it was. It just was, those are fat people with untucked shirts where it just looks like a tent. <laughs> with their knobs out in the bar, peeing all over the place and smoking. <laughs> it was yeah, horrendous. It was the worst experience I've 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 been to when I've been to a boxing match and it were a boxing event and it was. And again, that was one that overran. That was Fury Chisora at the end. Let's not dwell on it too much. Yeah. But look, look, here's but the thing. But still, it's, 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 it sticks it was, in the memory. We, it we, we it. say that to say this. We Frank, hate Hearn. Frank Warren <laughs> needs to up his game because what he's delivering now is trash. And I can guarantee that when David Hay does what he does, it'll be a far better experience. Like, look, the World Super Series of Boxing is coming as well. A far better experience. Warren now just looks like a like an abandoned orphan right now, wondering where boxing's gone because he. I'm bored of talking about the guy. Sue me, man. I'm okay, here. let's move on. Um, Smith Scoglin. I love the fact he ends it on Sue me every time. <laughs> <laughs> Smith Scogland. Um. So first of all, that ringside area for the World Super Series of Boxing Woo! is awesome. Right, you didn't see it, did you, Andy? Right, no. so they black the whole arena out, and then they put this circle of uh, spotlights pointing upwards around, but out at an angle. So it creates, it's almost like a cage from right. the lighting around the ring. And it just, it looks so good. And the sc- uh, we said it last week, the ring has no sponsorship as well. It's a black ring, no sponsors, just World Super Series of Box. It just looks brilliant. When the fighters come out and they're on those little podiums. I'm not a fan of that personally, but... But it's something it's different. different. Yeah. But you know how, like, Matchroom... Matchroom changed the product from what Frank Warren left. And they upped the the production, production values. values. They've made things look very, very good. You know, I'm sure many people will remember those big AJ flaming letters from Wembley. Um you know, they upped what was left before. Now, World Boxing Super Series, whether or not this is around for a long time or not, depends on how successful it is and how much money it generates. But they've upped it for me. Like, they've upped it from what Matchroom have done. So that's the same... That was the Echo Arena, the same arena that Matchroom have used many times for shows. They've never made it look that good. Like, that was something better than what Matchroom have ever achieved. Like, just from a visual perspective, it was uh, it was good. So the Very fight... Good. <laughs> fucking Ronald McIntosh was there the only they had one commentator having just praised their production values I'm now going <laughs> to piss all over them like I'm at the XL like they just had Ronald McIntosh on commentary only Ronald McIntosh and and, and that's that's like having someone else's great granddad talking to you about stories you know nothing about and you're there just <laughs> vacant like someone oh. else's great granddad <laughs> And he's just there and he's just boring you with like, you know, and he always calls rounds stanzas like he's really clever. You know, like, oh, if I call it a stanza, they'll think I'm really a bane. Wow. Just, Speaking I just, of commentators, I, I enjoyed Barry Jones. 
I didn't. I did. I like Barry Jones. <laughs> I, I like him as a person, but I don't. I don't agree with his boxing logic when he's commentating on fights. I watched an American stream, so I can't comment on nah. last night. Oh uh, well. But but, but, but do you know what? There's nothing worse than realizing you're watching two fucking channels of boxing, and you've either got Woodhull or you've got Ronald McIntyre. <laughs> <laughs> I've got me trapped. <laughs> you were just there, like I bet one of these guys is going to do Canelo as well. That, that's checkmate, isn't it, at that point? It's... They've got you at short, medium, and long range. <laughs> but, yeah, like let's go back to the fight. So, Scogland, I'm guessing, you know, he was the first pick. So, Smith got to, to pick first. He goes and picks Eric Scogland. I'm thinking they assumed that was going to be a nice, easy fight. A guy coming down from 175 pounds of light heavyweight to come down for this fight. Hadn't really fought anyone of note. I'm assuming they thought... Brilliant, we'll take that. And then he's turned up and he's given him hell. For, what, three rounds? Callum Smith couldn't lay a glove on him. Like, could not... And Scogland, you know, later on we saw it with Alvarez, but Scogland was doing the same kind of thing for a lot of it. Just slipping shots all the time. It's just basics. Those long old levers of Callum Smith, like, throwing jabs. Brilliant. They're nice and long, but Scogland was just not there to be hit. He... He, he, I, I, look, and I've probably touched on this when we talk about small hall boxing. One of my frustrations with that level of boxing is always the reluctance to do everything behind the jab. I think these small hall fighters make life a lot easier for themselves if everything came off the jab and they stopped looking for those big counter right hands. Scogland just said, look, this is what a jab can do to someone who's taller and longer. Yeah, I'm going to disrupt him just by having an active left hand. And Smith, for all of Eddie Hearn's protestations that this guy was a world champion in making, didn't seem to know what to do. And in my eyes, if Scogland had had that killer instinct Eubank Jr. has, that fight wouldn't have gone the distance. But luckily, Scogland's very Nordic, very Swedish. Like you he, couldn't, punch. he couldn't follow up behind the jab. <laughs> like he was... <laughs> that jab was very, very effective. But you sat there just thinking, that's very, very effective. George Groves will take Callum Smith's head off mm. by just... Con- like, he could do it with one arm literally tied behind his back, I suspect, because all he'd need is that left. Yeah. Didn't move his head. He just left himself, like, bang in the middle every single time. And so he's clearly... You know, the levels that he's fought, and it's been said so many times about Callum Smith, that when the best opponent you face is Rabrasse, and then you have to step it up, and you're however many fights into your career, 20-something, like, you're lacking, you're going to, of course, lack some of the fundamentals because you've not had the issues. And Rebrasse caused him quite a lot of problems for somebody whose level we know isn't that good. Um, but yeah, Callum Smith just left his head down the centre line all the time. Gets his nose busted up about round six, was it? Yeah. Um, bloodied. And it was like rabbit in the headlights for a little while. Then like, Scotland was just... If Scogland could have fired off more with the right hand as well, then it would have been a whole world of trouble for, for Callum Smith. But that's another Gallagher fighter exposed. Um, well, as you, uh, Liverpool J asks, is Callum Smith's only hope to win the WBSS to change coach? <laughs> and do what? <laughs> what no, like, what's the coach going to make Callum Smith do any differently? Like, he's not going to ra- out of nowhere become a combination puncher. Yeah, you could go to a Jamie Moore... Uh, which is indirectly Oliver Harrison. But you're kind of formed as a fighter now. All we can do is change the ethos and say, look, take more risks. But if he takes more risks, I think he'll get his head taken off because 
you know, at that weight, he's quite skinny and frail. He's not big and strong at 168. He looks like a 175 guy. So changing trainers, you know, I'm, I'm against this idea of changing trainers for a number of reasons. Number one, you've got to relearn so much. It's not, it's probably not worth it in the long run. You probably just want Gallagher to, to sit there and be honest and go, mate, I don't know what I'm doing. Let, let's, <laughs> let's, 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 let's brainstorm a strategy, right? Let's just get a whiteboard out and let's just put some stuff on there that we've learned from YouTube and we'll hopefully synthesize this into a plan. <laughs> but did you see? I don't know which round it was, like when they're in the corner and they've got, what they're very good at at WBSS production was getting the microphones into the corners. You could really hear what they were saying. That's cool. And uh, they had the cut man there for Smith. And like, it was almost as if the camera was getting too close to the cut man. Because the cut man's trying to sort his nose out. He's getting the dabs out and what have you. And as he's doing it, he keeps looking right into the camera <laughs> in like a really awkward fashion, like looking straight down the lens as if like, can you fuck off? <laughs> but you could then hear everything that's going on because they got so close into it and they've got like a boom mic over the top. <laughs> Don't tell me what you heard was, um, um. <laughs> like, have you got the Wi-Fi password? <laughs> Because I've got really bad 4G in it. I can't... You Callum, you're just... the only one they told. You need to remember it. Yeah, or just... Or just I've got a Spaniel in the car. <laughs> no! <laughs> no, don't ask, Andy. You've got a vacant look. Oh, yeah. there. Yeah. No. Got a Spaniel in the car. If you can knock this guy out, I think I'll get there before it chokes. <laughs> but... <laughs> What Gallagher was saying to him at the end of one of the rounds as he sat in the corner, was he saying, throw the right hand and roll off? I'm like, can you ever remember a Gallagher fighter throwing a right hand and rolling off? It Doesn't that go back to, to one of the quotes I got reminded of where I was like, Gallagher's asking his fighters to do shit he's never taught them. Yeah. And that's exactly what he was doing. Like, throw the right hand, roll off. That's fine. Like, it's a great theory, but... I've never seen Callum Smith do that before. He certainly didn't do it in that fight. So it's the equivalent of sitting there going, throw the right hand and then solve quantum physics. <laughs> because he would equally have an opportunity of doing it as he would rolling off the right hand. <laughs> He's in trouble. Like, Callum Smith's in trouble. And, like, this Super Series is going to see, like, the end of two Hearns Super Middleweights. Because I think, I think Cox will get obliterated by Groves. And then I, I just don't see Smith progressing past the next stage. It doesn't matter which out of Bramer or Brandt comes out. You know, Rob Brandt seems to be too clever a boxer to be hit by Smith. I do. Um, based upon last night, um, I do fancy going down to seeing Groves versus Cox because I really want to see that production. I want to be there and like witness that production because it looked the nuts. Like... It sounds interesting. Yeah, and they've got it down at the SSE or Wembley Arena, whatever it's called. I'm, I'm tempted to go down and watch that. I haven't checked the dates for it yet, but uh, like, I'd like to go and experience that and see if it, it's as good when you're there as, as what it looks on TV. Just, you know, like we've got this Champions League of boxing based upon the stories of how much money they're getting out of the um, the TV revenue, etc. I suspect we're not going to have many more Champions Leagues of boxing after these. Mm, so I, it, it seems a bit of a shame not to go down and catch one of the shows while they're about. Catch Kelly, Kelly if we can. I don't think anyone could catch that man. <laughs> <laughs> Apart from Varda. <laughs> I think Varda would catch him. Um, right, yeah. just give a shout out to Andy Johnson. Um, because poor timing on my behalf has meant that asking your question 
If you're doing the pod today, is there any case for a 118-110 score to Canelo? Did I miss something that the judge saw? I think Terry quite categorically sort of confirmed what you may have missed in that um, in that matchup. Sam Khan asks, refers to, is this a legitimate option for a top slash experienced fighter? And she then tags in Sergei Kovalev saying that he's considering the thinking of training himself. Terry? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds positive. Um, <laughs> as Spencer Fearon would say, let's be realistic. If he had made any adjustments in that ward fight, I might have believed this. But this guy showed up like a lamb to the slaughter against Ward. And once Ward figured out the body attack, Kovlev didn't even have an answer himself. Like I'd understood if he had just sacked his coach off in the corner and gone, I'm going to do this myself. Yeah, but he he didn't. And from what John David Jackson's been saying, he tried to train himself during the Chilemba fight. And that didn't go too well either. So I don't think Kovalev is that sort of guy that can train himself. I'd imagine he's agitating for some closer relationship with Klimas and the Ukrainian guys. So I imagine he'll probably end up being trained by one of the Ukrainian trainers, probably Lomachenko's dad. But you know how um, this is reminding me of the bird on Facebook that will put up a status going... <laughs> the bird on Facebook. No, but you know the one. The one will put up the I'm status so fed going, up right now. I'm so fed up right now. And then the mate goes, you okay, hun? And they go, yeah, it's fine. Like that's exactly what love you, babe. You 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 you're you're too pretty to be upset, babe. (laughs) You're so brilliant. I love you. Uh, Look, DM me, DM me the details. That's exactly. I'll I'll PM you, hun. That's exactly where Kovalev is right now. And just for the record, for our listeners, right? If you're one of these people that writes those sort of attention-seeking status, you're not allowed to listen anymore. No, no. By all means, listen. No. But just look in the mirror tomorrow morning and go, is my life worth living? But don't forget to also put it on Facebook that you're feeling like that. But that's where Co- that's where Kovalev is right now. So coming out with stuff like that of, <clears throat> oh, I might I might just train myself. But isn't this what <laughs> isn't this what Andre Ward predicted would happen? It seems like he's had a massive breakdown because he said himself that after the second Ward defeat, he's been drinking lots and lots, and now he's coming out with this kind of shit. Like he's probably pissed. Yeah, so let, <laughs> so let's I can seem- train myself then. If you want to talk to me, I'll just do it myself then. It seems like he's just lost the plot a little bit at the moment. But how smart is Andre Ward? Because after the first fight, he's, this is exactly what he said. He said, Kovalev can never beat me because until he accepts that he's his own worst enemy, he will never change. And if he won't change, I'll beat him in the rematch. And then he'll have nowhere to go after that. It might be his last fight. And you're seeing this now. All the things that have been alluded to, you know, the stuff Abel Sanchez was saying about Kovalev being fragile under pressure and that's why Golovkin could beat him up. We're understanding it a bit more now. It's, it's, not, it's not a nice way to view what was, you know, who was, a man who was a former champion, a dominant champion. But look, high-level boxing is very tough on the spirit, very tough on the soul. Mick, Senor Tasty. <clears throat> Can we just call him Sir Tasty? Can Why? he join the VIP lounge? Well, he Lovely. has to show up. <laughs> oh, that's true. 
the VIP. Nah, McGinley's in there on his own still. Yeah, he's, he still is. He's locked there. the door. You're invited. You've you've got a personal invitation from uh, from Terry and Martin there, Senor Tasty. So feel free to sharp when whenever we have yeah. a meet up at some point in the future. But you're not welcome in there yet. Yeah, I mean... Be clear about this, senor. Be clear do about Do not this. try your luck and get him in McGinley. <laughs> that is very ambiguous invitation. And do not wear be a short clear. skirt and high heels expected to be admitted in either. <laughs> There's enough in there already. <laughs> McGinley's filled his boots. <laughs> <laughs> do you think oh, those ladies God. from Aberdeen qualify? <laughs> <laughs> that brings back memories. Um, so anyway, with the saturation of UK shows fighting in empty arenas and too many average pay-per-views is boxing at its peak and could we see a crash? So what's mad is my mum was watching some of the boxing with me yesterday and she was just like, it's not very busy, is it? Which, you know, I'm a boxing fan and I was like, that really hurts because... They you get all... on your high horse and go, yes, yeah, <laughs> despite all evidence to the contrary. <laughs> there is busy for a Frank Warren show. So, so <laughs> certain people I just don't try and argue with. <laughs> um, but look, we talked about this last week. Are we in the midst of a boxing bubble? All indicators would point to the answer being yes. And the reasons behind that are this. We don't have enough quality fighters to sustain the output we're generating yeah. at the moment. Yeah. We don't have enough time to create those stars that would drive it forward. Nor do we have any clarity around where the real quality is. So there's a lot of dross on the matchroom roster. Take AJ off and there's just a lot of mediocre dross. Um, you know, I think boxing's its own worst enemy though in these cases. Like we've talked to about before, like you don't need to have 12 fights on a card. You know, people turn up in their <clears throat> you droves. You do if you need to sell 5,000 tickets to, say, an arena, like a like the Echo Arena or the Copper Box. You need that large undercard I, because each of those lads is then obligated to sell X number of tickets. Yeah, true. But then if you had um, three good, well-matched fights on a card, that's going to that's gonna take longer to pan out than a football match. And people turn up for football matches in their droves. No, but for example, if you go back five years, that was the HBO Showtime model, wasn't it? Don't have a massive undercard. It's pay-per-view. We're going to make most of our revenue. What PBC have done. Yeah. We'll make a shitload of revenue via TV audiences. The live crowd is irrelevant. Streaming happened. So pay-per-view is not really viable in its current form. So now we're going back to live gates. So if you look at other shows, we probably don't get to see the, the silent undercard, but most shows are pretty deep now because they're like, we need to sell tickets. That's the problem. And the, the issue we have now is, and I think we talked about this last week as well, you go back 30 years and I'm trying to think of some middle-ranking contenders. <sighs> this lad that just smashed Luke Blackledge, for example. Parker. Parker. He'd already fought Rocky Fielding by now. And them fighting for the British title would be a rematch of some sort. They would have fought each other at some point. Just to, Even if it was just a marked time fight, they would have fought each other. We don't have that anymore, whereby contenders are just fighting each other and there's that momentum. We're trying to line up these fucking Latvian cab drivers to build records up. You change this by bursting the bubble. And that's only, only the fans can do that by refusing to pay for fights they don't care about. In contrast... Fans care about Leon McKenzie versus Cello Render. And 
Hopefully, Steve Goodwin will put up a GoFundMe page and everyone should pledge a fiver to have that video released so both fighters can earn from that, number one. And number two, you can demonstrate that it's not just empty words when you say you want to see a fight that you missed out on. So it'll be good to see if Steve Goodwin does put that to the test. I would chuck a fiver into that and I was I there. would, yeah. And, I'll organise and it. I'll organise it. I'll I take would, that upon myself. I'm seeing yeah, Steve choose. Yeah, and just for that, I want my two free tickets. <laughs> well you need to submit it as a question it's a little uh, YouTube channel thing that I'm doing with Steve yeah ring no, talk no no purple polo shirts mate <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah we're uh, check it out on Tuesdays we're recording it so I think Wednesdays it'll go up uh, so, so can ring talk so, so look right, okay what so, so, I want so, to know is okay. how when you look at live music when you look at live football live rugby even you know, sort of uh, top boxing events or just anything, any sort of live event in the UK. It's always sold out and people are spending no, it's not. hundreds of pounds. No, it's not. Like, no, it's, okay, look at, look at League One football. It's not sold out. All right, okay. Sort of like, I mean, I'm, I'm talking top, top level. level. Yeah, yeah okay. so that tells you what level some of these shows are that aren't sold out. Right, so what yeah. can boxing do to... to up Get on level. top of that. I, I've, I've always... Well, for the last year, I've been saying this, and I think I've said it on this podcast. The amateur and the professional need to start merging. So, let's say you have a Hearn card. Hearn doesn't really want to bother with too many prospects. Let's be honest with you. Like Hearn's, Hearn's lane, Hearn's area of expertise is that upper tier. Because you know what? That's what gets Hearn excited, making these big super fights, making big events. I don't think he gives two shits about next gen, to be fair. I don't think he does. I don't think he cares about John Ryder. I don't think he cares about any of those middle-ranking guys who will never win anything. What Hearn would like on his show is six fights with the best amateurs fighting each other. So just say theoretically a Jordan Reynolds versus a Ben Whitaker middleweight in the amateurs. Um, Fraser Clark versus my guy Courtney Bennett at super heavyweight. And that sort of stuff. Uh, who could we have at 81? So a selection, a selection of well-matched, high-profile fights. Amateurs. Why? Because we're going to say, look, here are the amateur kids. They're coming down in about two years. Gives you something to get excited Record about. this. Watch it back in two years' time and remember what you've seen. Exactly. And then <clears throat> that means he doesn't have to fill a card with that dross he normally fills it with. And then you've you, you got six, five or six amateur bouts, four or five top-level professional bouts. That's a good card. They do it in Norway. So when, so when Cecilia Breakers made her return to Norway, uh, two friends of mine, Jamie Shakiva and Simon Nasata, who's now turned pro, they fought in front of like 60,000, whatever it was. Two amateurs. Fought, and it was packed. I saw the pictures. It was packed. It did, it did amateur boxing no harm. It didn't cost the promoters anything because you can't pay the amateurs. Obviously, you might have just given them some expenses or something. But you know, you've got these guys, you've got the audience, and it means you don't fill it with fucking this bum against that bum. So, so, so for me, I, I'd like to see that merging. Let, let's just get, let's get the best from both codes on one card. That's all people care about. This is why. So you said to me, why does rugby sell out? Here's why rugby sells out. I know when England play New Zealand, the best 15 Englishmen are going to be playing the best 15 Kiwis. 
That's it. I, I'm, I'm not there going, oh, well, Mike Brown's fullback, but I know he's been ducking so-and-so. There isn't any of that. <laughs> yeah. there, there isn't any of that. When, when Drake comes to perform at the O2, it's not like, it's like, well, you know, Drake, Drake's not performing this song, so I'm not going. It's like, fuck, it's Drake. I want to hear what he's, he's ducking going. this song. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not going to so, so all of these products have realized that if you give the fans what they want, they will pay what you ask. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's that yeah. simple. So, so but how does, how does boxing do that? Because it always seems to be like... It's the board, right? There should be a rule in this country, and I'll state it like this. Every boxing card in this country should be approved by the board. That's it. And then you'd have to go to the board and go, here's my proposed card. And they'll be like, I don't see that selling. Why, why is this guy fighting another Hungarian tax? It already guy? happens. Yeah. It already happens. They have to sanction every bout. Every individual bout that goes, yeah, that they... happens on every card up and down the country gets sanctioned by the board. And they do turn some people away, which is worrying. <laughs> <laughs> like They do turn people away. But some of the politics that happen. So it might get turned away for small hall promoter A one week, like because that Latvian isn't good enough. And then two weeks later, you'll see said Latvian turn up on large arena promoters show. Why? Because those two different promoters are putting in different levels of money, perhaps, into <laughs> the system. It happens. <laughs> yeah, might happen in title shots too. Don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off, Norbert. <laughs> <laughs> but, but but no, you're right, Andy. It's a mess at the moment because. Not many fans can can hang their hat on something being a quality event. I know Hearn tried to do it with Coogan where he was like, name me the last pay-per-view that wasn't quality. And he's almost using that sort of survivorship bias where he's going, well, these were all great fights. Therefore, they were great cards. And it's like, no, we remember what we felt like when you announced the cards and we thought it was bullshit. This is just a cosmic accident that Chisora White took off. It was a cosmic accident that Klitschko actually showed up to fight, although we don't know how good he was. You did not plan for that to happen. But he always feeds the answer in himself, doesn't he, of Bellew cleverly too? No! No, that is not the answer. For a start, Frampton Quigg happened after that. And we all remember the undercard to that. It was Marco McCulloch was in the main like, support. support fight for it. Marco McCulloch, fuck me on a pay-per-view main support. Like, that was far worse possibly like the main event don't get me wrong there was a lot of um a lot of talk about it and a lot of excitement but in reality how many of us today would say that scott quigg is a pay-per-view fighter maybe they should try doing it where they announce the undercard and you can pay to not watch the undercard you can pay 15 quid for the whole show or, <laughs> or 30 five quid, quid for the main event or 30 quid just for the main event <laughs> <laughs> It's a premium product. <laughs> you want it on your own. On its own. Um, right, again, another shout-out. Daniel Saint asks, question for the pod after an excellent scoring last night, how quickly did Bird's phone ring from Eddie to do the next 20 shows? <laughs> but at risk of kicking Terry off again, I'm going to well, move. Well, to just... Look, if they're Gallagher fighters on the card, she, I mean, she'll score against them. She doesn't like that. <laughs> she likes defensive movement. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and that brings us on to a preview for next week. Can I, can, I, can I just touch on something really quickly? If you want. Steve Goodwin signed a lad called Charlie Wynn, another lad we've talked about on this podcast a few times before. 
Um, Charlie's a friend. Like him. Good lad. Really, really excited for this because I think I think he's kind of been in the in the backwoods for a while. And I know what Steve has on his roster. <clears throat> and as someone who can be the face of a promotion, you're probably going to struggle to find a man better than Charlie Wynn. Big fan of his. And it's good to see, and Martin can correct me on this, it looks like Steve is recruiting more and more guys who have that depth of amateur experience. Guys who can actually box. <coughs> which I'm starting to see a lot more of these guys are coming up. You know, young Callum Miles has been signed. I know he can definitely box. Um, you know, you got Charlie Wynn. You got guys like even Linus Sadofia. Linus must have 40-odd amateur fights under his belt. And you're seeing this profile now, which... And I, and I I remember nagging Steve about this. I'm liking the changing of the profile of almost saying, right, we want guys who can actually box, who can jab, who can do all of this stuff. So I'm interested to see what happens with Charlie Wynn. I think what it is is that as Steve's um, profile has grown within the sport and his success has grown, he's been able to evidence. Because don't forget, he's only been in the sport six years, six and a half years. Like As he's evolved and he started to grow and prove that he's a... a a reliable commodity within the sport for management and promotion then it it attracts a you know a good caliber of fighter that may have had to go elsewhere before but now there's that that other option which is to go there preview of Jorge Linares versus Luke Campbell sorry Andy's reading a book I was just looking for things to ask you if you knew um, Andy sat reading a book it's, it's I didn't even know you could read the boxing <laughs> miscellaneous <laughs> Fuck's sake. He's coloured it in. In the Rocky movies, <laughs> in the Rocky movies, two real life boxers made appearances. Can you name the two boxers? Mike Tyson was in was it Rocky Balboa or Creed? Rocky five. Uh, Rocky six, sorry. Yeah. I'm gonna break this, never seen Rocky. Any of them. Can you name who was in the first Rocky Hate film? Hatem. Mm, I wanna say Muhammad Ali or Joe Frazier. Joe Frazier. That ding ding it. ding ding. Mr. T. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Jorgen Linares is going to destroy Luke Campbell. Yes or no? Amen, brother. Yes. Um, I've always sensed that this is just a hangover from doing the deal for the crawler fight. Hearn had to, you know, Hearn had an option on Linares, puts him in with Campbell. It's a shot to nothing if Campbell wins. You know I mean, you watch this guy talk about him in the pound for pound list. <laughs> It's over in America yeah. as well, isn't it? So it doesn't cost yeah. Hearn a penny to yeah. put it on. And, and if Campbell loses, it's happened away, so we won't really get to see it, and he'll just rebuild him over here. So it's, it's, a, it's kind of like a nothing fight, but, you know, what can you do? Let's touch on Nicola Adams, who didn't get to box yesterday. Yeah. <clears throat> over um, in America. Now, now let oh, me just... Due let, to a feral well, blood test. Well, but, but she, she can be flying back. She can probably still make it for the copper box card. It's probably still going on right now. <laughs> but look, look, look. Finish him. My take on Nicola Adams is simple. This is a woman who has embodied self-interest and ego to a level not seen before. You notice that whenever Nicola Adams has a fight or something to promote, she'll start talking about women's boxing and how she wants to be a role model for female boxers, yet doesn't look up to a single female boxer. All her role models are male. You know, you don't see her when there's no fight coming up. She doesn't, she doesn't really stay in this country anymore. She's trading out of Victor Conte's snack facility, which would raise all kinds of red flags, as it did with Woody Monroe Jr. 
I'm not going to say Victor Conti's dirty, but the guy has dirty hands and he'd happily admit that. So you start to worry about what the hell Nicola Adams is actually doing for women's boxing in the UK when contrasted with the efforts of people like Stacey Copeland, who banged the drum on a consistent basis. I think she's an abject, I think she's an embarrassment and <laughs> I, I'm happy that this fight didn't happen. And if she makes a significant profit from boxing, I'll be sorely disappointed because she's failed. In her, in her task as ambassador for the sport of boxing, she's failed royally. And I'm glad that fight got cancelled. You know I mean, you're walking around like a 14-year-old tomboy, whatever the fuck it is. Fuck out of here. You <laughs> <laughs> knocked my microphone in astonishment. Um, as Martin, do you have anything to say about that at all? I'm not sure I can top what No, Terry I don't think you said. can, if I'm honest. No. Um, what have we got? Oh, uh, yeah, you said about Linus. Linus Udofi is fighting next weekend. Oh, we go head to head again. <laughs> you what? We go head to head again, don't we? Because I'm, oh, I'm, um, I'm Team Ashley on this one. Ashley Demetz, isn't it? It's, mm. uh, yeah, and I'll be down at York Hall Saturday night, Goodwin Show. Uh, you got Waddy Camacho versus Ozzy Gervier for Southern Area Cruiserweight. Waddy! Uh, yeah, which is a, that'll be a fun fight like those two guys both like to get knocked out fairly regularly you know strapping, <laughs> but, but they like to get knocked out but those out. two guys can fucking punch both of them but, but both he, of them are here's susceptible. the weird thing right Wadi Camacho is an ABA champion I think people sometimes forget that he can box yeah he's a was he 2012 he, I think I think he won it the year we thought Dion Juma would win it whatever happened to Dion Juma he would have been a good cruiserweight ask Steve if he'll sign him <laughs> I think we probably all accept Waddy's past his best. You know, when he won prize fighter, he was uh, he was touted quite highly. Um, but that'd be a fun fight. Ozzy Gervier uh, got beaten by Danny Cousins in his last fight, I think. But uh, well, that'd be a good fight, top of the bill. But there's some real cracking talent on there. That that um, Linus Ashley fight will be good. That will be. I look forward to that. It's first real test for uh, for, for Linus. Both. Actually. Well, well, no, because Ashley lost, didn't he, to Taylor Jones. But but see, I haven't I haven't really had a proper look at Linus's record. So, but I don't think it's been the usual fear of Latvian cab drivers, has it? <laughs> see, because if you look yes. at Ash, if you look at Ashley's record, <laughs> so, yeah. So 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 here's the tension. Because if you look at Ashley's record, Ashley's been in quite hard for for where he is in his career. They have not they have not put him through cotton wool. He's he's been in there. He's drawn one. He's lost. He's he's done it the hard way. So it'll be interesting to see what sort of mindset each man actually brings into this one. Because I know what Ash, you know, Ash is fit for the six rounds. He's strong. He, what's it, Linus is a 75er by nature. Ash was an 81 who came down from 86. So he's a big man and he's a strong man. He's a grown man because he's, he's in his 30s now. So, oh, I wasn't meant to say that. Shit. Um, <laughs> nah, I think people know, man. Um, so, so, I'm I'm intrigued because I don't think it's definitely not a stepping stone fight for Linus. It's a fight he'll have to it's turn to win. Yeah, so good luck to both guys. Like Linus is a good guy. Um Ash is a good guy. Yeah, I don't really have a dog in this race, but Ash is a lodge boy, so you know, gotta gotta give that head nod. But now, if you can get down to your call for that fight in and of itself, go ahead and do that. Yeah, and there's a few good ones on there. Okay, just one thing before we wrap up. Um we get criticised very rarely from you guys, which is which, and it's fra- usually good humoured. Yeah, yeah, it's usually um, good humoured. But one thing that you you have criticised 
us for in the past is missing your questions, which I totally understand. If you're going to take the time to ask a question, you'd like it to be repeated. That is why if we stew a thunder, I will go across and I'll say just a shout out to X, Y, or Z if we have indeed stolen your thunder for a question you've wanted to be asked. To that it feels end, like a telling off. To that end, this is like an infomercial service announcement. To that end, I, I sort of looked through Twitter to find something that I had some sort of original hashtag and the best thing I could come up with was Savile is God <laughs> that's what you picked it was, it? that's what you picked it was used up until about three years ago <laughs> and then it went quiet it don't um, sue me Frank the hashtag was new ABQ terrible um, shocking it's terrible. the best I could come up with I'm afraid <sighs> New age boxing questions, obviously, but... That's like a Queensbury sort of hashtag. Just oh, what kind do you of, want then? Kind of half pointless, half pointless. This forward. is literally the owner time, because I've, I've tweeted it a few times, but not all of our listeners are on Twitter or necessarily see those, those tweets. So if you want to change it now, is the best time to... If you have a moral problem... Are you talking to the listeners? Both of if you, you two. No, listeners, if you want to change yeah. it... I'm listening. Anyway, so I did that because it's, it doesn't take up too many characters and it won't... Can we have the hashtag white power? But, oh god <laughs> well and then just explain my surname's white and it's nothing to do with anything Donald Trump followed you within seconds <laughs> within se- <laughs> seconds of developing every that. question gets retweeted <laughs> um, right anyway time to wrap up if you would like to guarantee that your question, that is the best thing I can say, guarantee your question gets asked. Hashtag it with new ABQ every time and I will search through that every week and make sure that your questions do not get left unasked. Never going to happen. If you do decide to neglect this option, then you run the risk of it not being asked. I'm not going to specifically or purposefully omit them, but it may happen. You um, won't be angry, we'll be disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, are we finished yeah, under an hour and a half. Miracle. Done. Yeah. It is, uh, it's been a pleasure. I'm far too tired. It's been quite angry today, isn't it? You, well, at one point, well, you're, you're screaming your so band. badly that it's... So the listeners will hear a... The points will be a... As though they're... Yeah. I don't care. So you will back... If I've broken your earphones, don't sue me. In the words of Terry. No, sue me. That's what he says. Yeah. You say what we think. You know, listen, as we always say, man, share the podcast. Let's get us, get us up that ladder. Why? Because we tell it like it is, man. You know, whether you're a cabbie, whether you're a truck driver, whatever. We, we try and make sure that you've got something to listen to. And for every Postman. minute, you know, hairs stand up on the back of your neck. Uh, right. That is it from me. Anything else? Any other business? Done. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you. Thank get you. in touch on Twitter and we'll see you next week. Watch it.